Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your fishing thighs? For thing, for thing, for thing, with things. What's the fishing Don't think will come along. When you feel it, you will know it. How the symptoms are strong. That thing, that thing, that thing. James. Sit back, relax, deep breath, no stress. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you this won't be long, this change will happen soon. You will feel something so special growing deep within you. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That thing, oh, I should do it in an accent. Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering foys? That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Once every millennium, something will come along, and when you feel it, you know it, because it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Sit back. Relax, deep breaths, no straws. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't be long. The change will happen soon. You will feel something so special growing deep within you. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That's me. Welcome back to That Thing with James J. Archer II. I'm your host, James J. Archer II. That was a little all over the place. I was going for a <laughs> uh, Northern, English, Northern English accent. Kind of like, oh, what's his name? Who wrote V for Vendetta and The Watchmen? Alan Moore. Or think, or, or think is that you ought to really enjoy watching and listening to this show. You ever notice, like, some some English accents, like, thing, and with a thing. Is, is that, like, I, I think of uh, Sean Connery, where the U.S. audiences thought, he had a really cool voice. Uh, he had a great voice and a great accent. You know, the you know, the wife beating shit aside. Just the voice. He had a cool voice. The sound of it. He had a cool accent. The sound of it. And US audiences loved his accent. But Scottish people, so I've read, said, Oh, the dude's got a terrible speech impediment. Yeah. You just can't tell because it's uh filtered cloaked by an accent uh, all i can think of is uh, <laughs> we've been re-watching arrested development <laughs> for british eyes only <laughs> that's all i can think of i'm like he, oh, did, he had no idea that she was special that she was special but he just thought it was something because she's english yeah Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. 
feel like uh, this isn't too bad. These levels would be fun. Yeah. I'll cut that bit out. <laughs> the fucking levels. Yeah. How often... How often do we see people in movies and stuff like that where we think that it's like really sexy and kind of foreign but in reality the person's like special what other instances i mean i can't think of any real life ones no but (laughs) would it surprise me no because i know i love accents But the whole like, or brov, think the thing, is that like actually an accent? Or so I know some accents came about because well, there's a number of different reasons why accents come about. But I know that some came about, like for example, the Castilian accent with yeah. the lisp. The reason that became an accent is because of the king or whatever. Uh, he the, had a lisp. He had a lisp. Mm-hmm. And people picked it up. And that just kind of turned into that regional accent. Castilian Spanish. Yeah. Castilian Spanish. Simply because they were emulating the way their king spoke with a lisp. So how often does that happen? That it just starts out as like what I guess we would now call a meme. And then it becomes a permanent part of the culture. Like becomes your fucking accent. You make fun of it and then it becomes you. Right. Like so many people start doing the lisp all the time. And then the kids grow up hearing it. Like you're you're making fun of the king with a really bad lisp. And... And you've got a kid, and the kid grows up hearing you always making fun of the king, but the kid doesn't have any reference that you're making fun of the king. So the kid just starts talking like this because that's how mom and dad talks. You, uh, I actually just watched a video with Ready to Glare, and she was talking about uh, Hilaria Baldwin. Who's that? One of the Baldwin's wives. Jesus. But there's like some drama because she says she's spanish oh this yeah proceed she says that she's spanish and like she hams it up in some interviews but another one she doesn't and like it turns out she went to school in boston or something and her family does live in spain but they're not spanish they're white yeah and she just had like a wedding thing like a were they like renewing their vows or something yeah in spain and it was like she really spanged it the fuck up right yeah it was weird it's like for example it would be like figuring out or or claiming that maybe you have some african descent and then doing a wedding in blackface yeah (laughs) i I mean it's weird but also your accent doesn't necessarily depend on parents it can also depend on the school that you go to because ready to glare is italian she was born in Germany. Okay. But she has no accent at all. Wait, she's an Italian born in Germany? Mm -hmm. She lived in Germany. What's her nationality now? She's Italian. So she lives in Italy? No, she lives in the United States. But she was born in Italy. She was born in Germany. Born in Germany. Lived there for like a year. Were her parents German or Italian? One parent was German, one parent was Italian. 
One parent was German, <clears throat> one was Italian. She went to American schools and uh, French and... Where? In Germany? In Europe. Okay. Yeah. Because I lived in like France and Italy. Was the dad a German? Yeah. You're really jumping my question here. He was German. Is the dad a German person or was he an American stationed in Germany? No, he was German. Okay. Okay. Actual German. Okay. Someone's freaking out about the snow out there. Yeah, it's snowing right now. Ooh, I should turn the camera so I can see the snow. Listeners, you're missing out. It is snowing out there right now in Austin, Texas. I've It's snowed a bit here before over the past, what, like seven or eight years that I've lived here. There's only been like a little dusting of snow the other two times. This is the first like real snow snow. Snoo snoo I've ever seen here. Which is pretty cool. I went for a walk in it and you you said, are you doing like your basic bitch video? Like taking pictures of yourself in the snow? I said with three snowflakes on your head. No, I didn't appear anywhere in the video. You probably did. I really didn't. Uh, Fuck you, man. I didn't do that shit. He, he was out there frolicking in the snow, taking basic, basic bitch video and pictures for you. No, I wasn't. It's so cold out here. <laughs> Please let me in. <laughs> okay. Okay. The neighbors are yelling at each other now. Okay, yeah, someone wants attention, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay attention to them. We, we got some neighbors who who are very starved for attention. Unlike me, I have my own fucking podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, so should we just jump into this thing? Probably, or else I'll go on another tangent. Okay, uh, let me sit up here. So, I was, a couple days ago, trying to figure out what... Oh, before we get any further, I should say, I'm going to take care of the business stuff. Uh, If you want... uh, That's the chair. If you heard a fart, that was the chair. I claim my farts, and that was the chair. Fuck you, Farley. Fuck you, Farley. Fuck you. He'll be in in the bedroom. Fart and say that it's the chair in the other room. Don't believe his lies. It's the chair. See, that was the chair. You probably, the microphone probably. See, that's the chair. That's a hand fart. That's closer to my real farts because I have, you know, I have farts with body. I have tenor farts. Sometimes I hit the bass. A little, a little now and then I'll get a little piccolo coming in. Okay. I think that was the beef was for dinner. What's the beef? What's the beef song? The beef song? Wait, that's that's how 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 low do your tits flap? That's that song. 
<laughs> do your tits hang low? Do they wiggle to and fro? That is not how the song goes. Can you toss them over your shoulder and drag them through the snow? Do you got the saggy nipples that your baby sucked upon? Do your old lady boobs hang low? I was... You threw me off. <laughs> you, I, say, you say that disrespect? I was... I was a couple days ago trying to... Oh, yes. I remember. <laughs> now we're back. I was going to do some business stuff. If you want to help support the show. Uh, and, and so that I, I can continue to do the show. I great. I, if you're able to help support the show, um, please consider... Or, or do become a, a donor, a patron at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, there's a number of different options. If you've only got a, just, even just a little tiny bit of scratch and, and you want to help support the show, go to patreon.com slash that thing with James. Um, if you have any um, stories or topics you would like me to cover uh, here on the show or are in need of any any kind of advice, um, uh, if the more highly technical it is, the better it is. Because I likely do not know uh, the technical stuff. If you're talking about, say, C++, I don't even know if people are still um, using that language as predominantly as it used to be. Uh, if you have questions about Python, if you, uh, uh, the computer language, if you have questions about the Python uh, that is constricting around your neck currently, and you want to know if that might be a uh, potential hazard to your health, if you need relationship advice or advice on which direction to wipe your bottom, you can send me an email at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Or you could slide into my DMs or just check out my awesome posting game on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at James J. Asher. And I'm also on Reddit. I created my own subreddit, r slash thatthingwithjames. Now, business is done. Um... A couple days ago, I was racking my brain trying to figure out what am I going to talk about in this episode? Uh, what are we going to talk about? Because I asked you yesterday if you'd join the show, and thank you for joining. Uh, listeners, the guest is Emily. Hi. That's it? <laughs> That's it? Yeah. <laughs> I've got some donors... At <laughs> patreon.com slash that thing with James. And they're looking for high quality, low quality content. I've definitely got the low quality for them. Wait, that should be the tagline for this show. High quality, low quality content. Yeah. There you yes. go. Something new. The, the premier, premium shite. Uh, well, I was looking, trying to figure out what am I going to cover on this episode, and then I remembered a subject that I did not get to cover last year, um, but I had done a little bit of research into it because I found it, and I kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole on it. Um, and then 
so I, I, I started re-researching this topic and I didn't get too far because I kind of started chasing a white rabbit down a different K-hole uh, that we're going to get into on this episode. So what I started out wanting to cover was the U.S. Army's Stargate program. Yes, Stargate, like the movie. They jokingly, but actually, named this program Stargate after the movie in the early 90s. However, the program itself started back in, I think, the early 70s. And it didn't earn its the name Stargate until the movie came out. Wasn't there a TV show too? Yeah, the TV show came out after oh, the movie. Okay. The the shows were spin off from the movie because the movie was a huge hit. Yeah, it's also one of my favorite sci fi's. Um, so what I started looking into was the Army's Psychic Soldier Program. They started looking into just. Uh, what they called new age stuff mm. and it, you know just like uh, psychic abilities uh, psychomancy and stuff like that um, see uh, remote viewing um, prestidigitation no that's just doing little tricks with your hands um, just being able to see through walls being able to remotely view just with your mind view somewhere in the world when you're given coordinates and it's like instead of having to use a satellite you use your psychic abilities to spy on this uh place where there might be a base i wish <laughs> this were something i feel like that'd be pretty cool if i could do it well we'll get into that because it kind of was something yeah um well there was a book and subsequently a movie that some of you may be familiar with. Um, I believe it was a Coen Brothers film. Isn't Brad Pitt in it? Uh, no, George Clooney. Okay, Clooney. George Clooney, the other handsome guy. Yeah. Well, Clooney's um, looking better than Pitt. What? It's facts. <laughs> um, so I'm talking about the men who stare at goats. Yeah. I saw the movie. Uh, it was not the biggest hit for the Coen brothers. I enjoyed it. I, I found, I mean, it was definitely not their best movie ever, but I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. It was entertaining. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that it was based on a book and the book was based on a real thing. So the book, uh, consulting Wikipedia here, the most, you know, the best resource the Man Who Stare at Goats, it came out in 2004, is a nonfiction work by John Ronson concerning the U.S. Army's exploration of New Age concepts and the potential military applications of the paranormal. The title return refers to attempts to kill goats by staring at them and stopping their hearts with your mind. 
The book is companion to a three-part TV series broadcast in Britain on Channel 4, Crazy Rulers of the World 2004, first episode of which is also entitled The Men Who Stare at Goats. Um, and then it was also that same title was used a third time for a loose feature film adaptation in 2009. Uh, so the book, uh, should I read this little short synopsis? It's like uh, Burke, Burke's first for chapters examine efforts of a handful of U.S. Army officers in the late 1970s and early 1980s to exploit paranormal phenomena, new age philosophy, and elements of human potential movement to enhance U.S. military intelligence gathering capabilities, as well as overall operational effectiveness. So this kind of like came out of the Vietnam War because, you know, hippies and shit like that, meditation and dropping acid and like Ram Dass and all this other stuff, you know, levitating. and uh, The U.S. military or, or someone in it was like, yo, what if that shit's real, man? And now this is going on at the same time as MK Ultra which was, among other extremely fucked up horrific shit they did with, well, like, yeah. ricin. Uh, testing um, how much ricin it took to kill a person versus how much it took to just incapacitate them. They tested ricin on actual humans. Yeah. Actual, you know, uh, NCOs, non-commissioned officers, or, or whatever. Uh, you know, non-officer people. Um... Well, uh, yeah, MK Ultra. That's another thing I want to cover on this show. Do you know what it's about, right? Yeah, we should talk about it in an episode. Well, just like a brief, in case someone listening has never heard of MK Ultra, give them a brief what you know about it. I mean, I know that they were experiments that it has something to do with the Bush family. I know that too. Right. That Daddy Bush. Well, they were experimenting using, among other things, the most popularly known f part of the MK Ultra program uh, was testing out the use of LSD as a uh, to see if they could use it as some kind of weapon, uh, as a truth serum or yeah, as serum. Uh, mind control. You know, they were trying to do mind control like Manchurian Candidate kind of shit. And that's actually how uh, Ken Kesey, the guy who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and everything, he was going to school I, I, somewhere in Boston, might have been Harvard or something. Like, he was a rising football star. And um, the military, you know, came in. He was one of the very first subjects that they tested LSD on. He had no idea what the fuck it was. Um, it Although it might have been actually just psilocybin serum, but they tested either LSD or psilocybin on Ken Kesey while he was a student. And um, he'd never heard of this stuff before. Like he was just, you know, kind of a, you know, Joe Schmo playing football. And um, the acid 
or psilocybin and or psilocybin blew his fucking mind. And then he became Ken Kesey, the guy who made the um, the bus, you know, the what is it? The further bus? Yeah, I think it's called further. The psychedelic bus? Yeah, the party bus is what Yeah, yeah. He was part of like the, the Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters versus um, fucking what's his, what's his bucket? I always forget his name. Back East, the white hair, who was always smiling oh, and he was fuck. in... Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Question authority. I always forget that dude's name. If he wouldn't have asked me, my brain wouldn't have gone blank. Right? He created the smile program. I'm going to look this dude up. I fucking every time. Think for yourself. Question authority. Uh, Tool pops up because they used it in that live album uh, before No Quarter. Uh, Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary came up with this thing called Smile. Tim Leary Smile. Here it is. You ever heard of this? Smile? No. It was this thing he came up with. It's like S-M-I squared L-E. The futurist thought of Timothy Leary. Which, uh, here. So, SMILE is just an acronym that he created for this sort of, like, uh, philosophical, um, psychological program uh, that he wanted to develop to basically help evolve humanity into a more... into our potential, instead of just being greedy, uh, territorial, exploitative, warring scumbags scumbags to become what we could become. So the SMI2 means space migration, increased intelligence, life extension, smile, S-M-I-I-L-E. Pretty cool. Like that's, that's shit he wanted. Um, and he was actually good friends with um, the guy who wrote that Illuminatus trilogy book. I've told you about yeah. that before, right? Yeah. Robert Anton Wilson. Man, I, I know quite a bit about acid culture. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, well, anyway, so all that kind of stuff is popping off. Uh, acid, quote unquote, new age, psychedelic, psychic stuff, interests and in, in yoga and the capabilities of the mind. And I guess some people in the defense department thought maybe, maybe we should have an open mind and see if we can weaponize this stuff or, or you know, just take advantage of it for our interests in the defense of this nation. So I started looking into that stuff. Um, and so I, I was re-researching this topic of like the men who stare at goats. And, you know, I plug it into Google, find search results, and I start pulling some stuff up. So I've got here on my web browser, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine tabs open in chronological order that I found them in because I want to try to recreate the process that I went through because that's kind of what I want for this episode. Um, So I started with the men who stare at goats wiki. All right. And then that took me to the Stargate project, 
because I'd previously figured out, okay, this thing was uh, earned the moniker of the Stargate Project, all right? So, also wiki, uh, Stargate Project, not to be confused with Stargate, a 1994 <laughs> film. Uh, Stargate Project was the 1991 codename. Wait a second. So the film came out in 94, but this codename was in 91? Is that accurate? Is what I want to know. Um, so which came first, the chicken or the egg? Probably both. When in doubt, something is weird and probably existed before. I mean, the CIA has written a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. So They've also done a ton of projects and, like, you know, things that we have no idea about, so it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, oh, God. I imagine, like, anything you can think of, they've done it. No, I'm or sure maybe not more. just yeah. CIA, but just the overarching, um, the actual deep state. Not the fucking Trumpers, what they think is the deep state. Yeah. But there's, like, an actual deep state. But it's not what conservatives think it is. Yeah. What's the difference between what the actual deep state is and what dumb fucks think it is? Well, I can't really speak for them because I don't know. They think it's like um, Hillary Clinton and uh, the Jews. And, and New World Order. New World Order, which is all verbatim Nazi shit. Yeah. Globalists. They're always the talking globalists. about globalists. Yeah. Which is exactly what the Nazis were talking about with their conspiracy theories yeah. back in the 20s, starting in the 1870s, like we covered on the Every, show. Everything moves in cycles. So what's the actual deep state? The actual deep state is like already in effect. It's in the government that's already in play. It's things that it's, we're unaware of that right. actually make things happen it's, and are running things without any consequence or uh, any consulting from us. So to get a little more specific or to, uh, you know, put some faces to it, it's basically a military industrial complex, corporate military industrial complex. Yeah. That's the shit that calls the shots. Uh, I mean, the fact that billionaires can shut down the president. Yeah. I mean, he needed to be shut up, but also there's a broader problem <laughs> with billionaires having more power than the government. Yeah. So, um, more power than the people. So anyway, getting back to this, uh, Stargate Project was a 1991 code name for a secret U.S. Army unit established in 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland, by the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, and SRI International, a California contractor, uh, to investigate the potential psychic phenomena in military and domestic intelligence applications. The project and its precursors and sister projects originally went by various code names, Gondola Wish, Grill Flame. Who <laughs> makes these names? Center Lane. Project CF. Sunstreak. 
Scanate. CIA, I'll help you name things. Okay, like I don't even need to know. Well, this is this is DIA. Oh, I'll help you too. This just, is DIA. SRI. Tell me how many names you need me to formulate, and I can come up with some names for you. Uh, uh, Scanate until 1991, when they were consolidated and rechristened as the Stargate Project. Stargate Project worked prim- uh, work primarily involved remote viewing. Uh, the purported ability to psychically, quote-unquote, see events, sites, or information from a great distance. The project was overseen until 1987 by Lieutenant Frederick Holmes Skip, uh, quote-unquote, Skip Atwater. Hey, Skip! How's Skipper, that? Uh, Skippy Skipper. Hey, Skip, uh, an aide and quote-unquote psychic headhunter. What? So he went out to find psychics and brought them in to be like, yo, I want to bring you on as a contractor so we can try to work together and see if we can make this work. Yeah. Which is what happens in the movie. They go and get uh, Ewan McGregor, I think it was. Because Ewan McGregor's drawing and then... George Clooney plays the headhunter who finds McGregor and sees him and he's been tracking him and he's like, I see that you've got abilities. You're able to see things. And you and McGregor's like, well, things have always been a little weird, but you're being really fucking weird. Get away from me. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just try it with me. Try it with me. Try to run through that wall. So that's kind of what that headhunter, George Clooney was a headhunter. Uh, so Lieutenant Frederick Holmes Skip. Atwater, <laughs> an aide and psychic headhunter to Major General Albert Stubblebine. What? <laughs> Let me see this. Let me... Stubblebine. Oh. Stubblebean? Stubblebine? Stub- I, it looks like Stubblebine. Stubblebean, Stubblebean, Stubblebine. Stubblebine. And later president of the Monroe Institute. Uh, the unit was small scale comprising about 15 to 20 individuals and was run out of, quote, an old leaky wooden barracks, end quote. The Stargate project was terminated and declassified in 1995 after a CIA report concluded that it was never useful in any intelligence operation. Information provided by the program was vague and included irrelevant and erroneous data, which, by the way, you can find online. I'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, Erroneous data. And there was reason to suspect that its project managers had changed the reports so they would fit background cues. Whatever that means. Uh, the program was featured in the 2004 book and 2009 film, both titled The Men Who Stare at Goats, although neither mentions it by name. Right. So, um, CIA deemed it a failure. MK Ultra was also, as far as I know, deemed a failure. But as far it's as I know, probably, it might still be going it's on. Probably still it's running. probably still going on. But they were trying to use LSD as like a mind control and or truth serum, but found that it just made people not just high, but um, I want to say enlightened, but I think a more accurate phrase would be uh, they get some perspective. Actually caused a lot. 
it opens people and helps them gain perspective and kind of realize like, wait, wait, war's bad. What are you fucking doing this for? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. And then, you know, leave the fucking military and then go off the grid and start their own podcast. Probably live out in some woods. That's probably going to be me in about 20 years. I'm going to be up up in uh, Golden, Colorado. You know, you're, you're releasing off where you're going to be off the grid? No, it's a, it's a false flag. Okay. False flag. I'm going to be in Golden, Colorado, <laughs> off the grid, but, you know, just like self-sustaining. I'll have my own like fucking pirate radio podcast because we will be the fascist United States for I, sure in 20 years. I thought you were going to say on a pirate ship. Which you could build a house in the woods that's a pirate ship. Have like some. I if mean, you're talking about pirate ships, you need to stop. I, I already said where I'm quote unquote going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have pirate radio, but it's not. I'm not, I'm not going to have a pirate ship. I would never admit to having a pirate ship. <laughs> um, have they ever admitted that like a lot of these tests seem like they got inspiration from the scary and awful tests that the Nazis did on Jewish people because some of these tests seem like they were getting a little bit of inspiration. Have you thought that maybe the Nazis were inspired by tests that were already happening in the United States? Probably. That they based their entire eugenics program on that? of the United States and their entire policy upon Jim Crow policy, but even didn't go as far as Jim Crow did because they thought it was a little too extreme. Yeah. The fucking Nazis. Yeah, it doesn't bode well. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're probably on to it. Uh, I'm intentionally not talking about the Siege of the Capitol okay. in this episode. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, uh, uh, I think it's a more than 50% chance that we become fascist united states yeah make the nazis look like kids play anyway and i do not like that so um back to actually let's take a quick break okay uh i need to charge this camera and then we'll get back to it and i'm gonna jump back into this psychic shit and where i got off track in my studies and where it got even more creepy aka Kind of touching on the deep state stuff. Yeah. If one is to call it that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. And we're back. So, before we get any further, let's do a little bit more information on the Stargate Project Program. Background from Wiki. Sorry if you hear knocking our downstairs neighbor is hammering stuff for some unknown reason uh information on jesus christ man come on it sounds like he's just walking around and hammering randomly yeah information on the united states uh information in the united states on psychic research in some foreign countries was poorly detailed based mostly on rumor or innuendo from secondhand or tertiary reporting attributed to both reliable and unreliable disinformation sources from the Soviet Union. So it was paranoia, as all things defense are, 
complete fucking paranoia, um, the CIA and DIA decided they should investigate and know as much about is as much about it as possible. What the fuck? Who wrote that sentence? The CIA and DIA decided they should investigate and know as much about it as possible. Period. That's a shitty sentence. Various programs were approved yearly and refunded accordingly. Reviews were made semi-annually at the Senate and House Select Committee level. Work results were reviewed and remote viewing was attempted with the results being kept secret from the quote-unquote viewer. It was... It was thought that if the viewer was shown they were incorrect, it would damage the viewer's confidence and skill. That makes sense. This was standard operating procedure throughout the years of military and domestic remote viewing programs. That is, again, remote viewing is using your mind to see things going on presently in other parts of the world. Kind of like a satellite, but for these programs, cheaper than a satellite. Um, Feedback to the remote viewer of any kind was rare. It was kept classified and secret. However, there are documents, I'll I'll skim over some in this episode, um, that you can find uh, at the CIA website, uh, thanks to the Freedom of Information Act. Um, I'll tell some links i might throw one in the description whatever remote viewing attempts to sense unknown information about places or events uh what remote viewing attempts to use sense unknown information what the who's writing this shit use your senses yeah use your senses uh whatever let's just jump to that because God, the fucking writing on this shit. 1970s. In 1970, United States intelligence sources believed that the Soviet Union was spending 60 million rubles annually on quote-unquote psychotronic research. In response to claims that the Soviet program had produced results, the CIA initiated funding for a new program known as Scanate. Scan by coordinate. Scan it, I guess. Uh, in the same year, remote viewing research began in 1972 at the Stanford Research Institute. That's the mm-hmm. SRI from earlier that the uh, DIA worked with at Menlo Park, California. Proponents, Russell Targ and Harold Puthoff. Puthoff? <laughs> That's a bit off-putting. Of the research said that the minimum accuracy rate of 65% required by the clients was often exceeded in later experiments. Physicists Russell Targ and Harold Putoff (laughs) began testing psychics for SRI in 1972, including one who had later become an international celebrity, Israeli... Oh, I've heard this name. Uri Geller. Geller. Uri Geller. 
their apparently successful results garnered interest within the U.S. Department of Defense. Ray, Ray Hyman. <laughs> another off-putting name. Ray Hyman. A professor of psychology at the University of Oregon was asked by Air Force psychologist Lieutenant Colonel Austin W. Kibler, <laughs> then director of behavioral research for ARPA, to go to SRI and investigate. He was to specifically evaluate Geller. Hyman's report to the government was that Geller was a quote-unquote complete fraud and as a consequence Targ and Putoff lost their government contract to do further work with him. The result was a public publicity tour for Geller, Targ, and Putoff to seek private funding for further research work on Geller. One of the project's successes was the location of a Soviet spy plane in 1976 by Rosemary Smith, a young administrative assistant recruited by project director Dale Graff. So they were looking for psychics and they heard about Rosemary Smith, who was a secretary, probably in her 20s or 30s. Yeah. And they said, hey... Do you want to come work for some secret military shit? We know that you're a psychic and we want to cultivate your psychic abilities. Are you willing to do this? And she's like, I'm done warming coffee for Mr. Amos, the anus. Yes, I will come cultivate my remote viewing skills for the government and we will find what's going on. In with the Ruskies, with the Pinkos, with the Kamis. In 1977, the Army Assistant Chief of Staff for Intelligence, AXI, Systems Exploitation Detachment, said, started the Gondola Wish program to evaluate potential adversary applications of remote viewing. Uh, Army intelligence then formalized this in mid-1978 as an operational program, Grill Flame, based in buildings 2560 and 2561 at Fort Meade in Maryland. INSCOM Detachment G. Interesting. Okay, so I was reading this shit, but I didn't get that far in reading the, the wiki. What I got hung up on was SRI. I was like, what the fuck is SRI? A California contractor? Going back to the beginning, Stargate was the 1991 code name for a secret U.S. Army unit established in 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland by the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, and SRI International, a California contractor. I was like, who the fuck is SRI? So I searched for it. Let's see here. SRI International is an American nonprofit research institute and organization headquartered in Menlo Park, California. The trustees of Stanford University established the SRI in 1946 as a center of innovation to support economic development in the region. 
So what does that mean to you? A center of innovation to support economic development? What what other creative ways can we screw people over? Maybe. Make some money? <clears throat> uh, the organization was founded as the Stanford Research Institute, SRI. SRI formally separated from the Stanford University in, University in 1970 and became known as SRI International in 1977. SRI performs client-sponsored research and development for government agencies, commercial businesses, and private foundations. It also licenses its technologies forms strategic partnerships, sells products, and creates spin-off companies. So, it's just uh, sort of like, a, sounds like a think tank for capitalists to find new ways to be capitalists and figure out creative ways to be capitalists. So, it's government and private contractors coming together, coming up with spin-off companies, yeah. Which could then possibly later be used as a front for a larger company to go in and maybe say, let's turn Cuba into a tourist trap instead of leaving it a sovereign, self-governing place. <laughs> that kind of thing. I mean, it looks like they do some really cool things. Like what? I'm looking down there where it's like its focus areas. Uh you know, it's got biomedical, Inc environmental okay. technology. Chemistry and uh, SRA's focus include biomedical sciences, chemistry and materials, computing, earth and space systems, economic development, education and learning, energy and environmental technology, security and national defense, and uh, as well as sensing and devices. What does that mean? SRI has received more than 4,000 patents and patent applications worldwide. Okay. So they help fund things. They help fund things. Right. Do they help fund... Uh, do they help fund... Let's see here. Okay. Early history. SRI's first research project investigated whether the uh, Guayul, Guayule plant could be used as a source of natural rubber. During World War II, rubber was imported to the U.S. and was subject to shortages and strict rationing. From 1942 to 46, the U.S. Department of Agriculture supported a project to create a domestic source of natural rubber. Once the war ended, the U.S. Congress cut funding for the program. In response, the Office of Naval Research created a grant for the project to continue at SRI, and USDA staff on the project worked through SRI until Congress reauthorized funding in 1947. Um, SRI's first economic study for the U.S. Air Force. In 1947, U.S. Air Force wanted to determine the expansion potential of the U.S. aircraft industry. SRI found that it would take too long to escalate production in an emergency. In 1948, SRI began research and consultation with Chevron Corporation to develop 
an artificial substitute for tallow and coconut oil in soap production. So uh, they work with Procter and Gamble and all these other things. I I stay, uh, I reiterate, and I'm holding strong to my initial opinion that this is just another thing for capitalists to find more ways to be capitalists. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, they they're working. Disney they're too. working on environmental stuff, but I have a feeling that they're not really working on, say, sustainable, zero emission kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe they are now, but it seems like they're in bed with a lot of bigger companies, which is in bed with corp, you know, yeah, government and corporations. One thing, like in Catch Twenty Two, M and M Industries. That's kind of what all this is. Hopefully, our audience has seen or read Catch-22. Not the fucking Hulu series. I talked about what shit that show is here on this show several episodes back. But the movie from the 70s, or the book, Catch-22. If you haven't read it, you got you got to read it. It's fucking great. It's, it's funny. It's very funny. And also terrifying, but funny. Uh, so there's that. Well, also, so I went off on that tangent trying to figure out what the SRI is. And then I remembered, oh, wait, there are a bunch of documents about the Stargate program that you can find online. These are scanned copies that you, dear listener and or viewer, can find at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash or whatever slash www.cia.gov slash reading room, all one word, slash search, uh, slash site, slash Stargate. I'll, I'll include a fucking link in the description. Well, or, or you can just go to CIA reading room or Google it, whatever, and it'll take you to a, a database where you can type in the search query for FOIA ERR. And just write in Stargate, and you'll come upon quite a few pages, like more than nine pages, more than ten pages worth of scanned copies. There's a lot of minutes from meetings, uh, really mundane stuff about funding. Um, They had to go up to these special committees a lot to keep getting funding, to keep going on seems like where most of their fucking energy had to be spent was in trying to stay open. Well, uh, if you go a few pages in, I think it's on, uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. On the second page of results, you can start to see uh, RV session notes, remote viewing session notes. So let's check this one out, shall we? Uh, okay, that one is kind of boring. There was one I found that I, I read to you, Emily. Yeah. That was a transcript of an actual session in which uh, there was one person guiding. And I, I guess they had um, information coming in or pictures or something of a certain... Uh, coordinate somewhere on the world and this remote viewer um, was just uh, you know the person 
the the proctor would tell the viewer, the remote viewer, coordinates to look at, and the remote viewer uh, would talk out loud about what they were seeing in their mind, and then the proctor would guide them and say like, "Okay, go a mile west and tell me what you see." And uh, it was something else. What's the session notes and drawings? Paranormal phenomena? Phenomena. Yeah, I don't know what this is. But yeah, you can find scanned copies of these drawings and everything from these actual people actually doing remote viewings and other stuff. And uh, one of the first documents I found when I first found this stuff last year was a person who went to some kind of like a conference or something with other people investigating paranormal paranormal phenomena and in it and this person was taking notes of this conference and also um drawing illustrations of the things they were talking about and i think it was implied that they were actually seeing something there and they were they were describing light orbs or what maybe some paranormal investigators would call um, unexplained light phenomena. Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, unexplained light phenomena, basically light orbs. And the drawings that this person made and the words that he used to describe the look and behavior of these light orbs to a T described the very kinds of light orbs I've picked up on this camera several times recording this show. So I thought that was kind of a fucking trip. Yeah. Right? Well, so that's all fun. And I encourage you, if, if you're interested in this kind of shit, go check it out. Yeah, CIA FOIA. FOIA uh, it's, is that what it is? FOIA? Yeah, Freedom of Information Act. It's fun stuff. Well... Moving on with the narrative I'm trying to set here. Uh, I looked at that and then I went back to my Google results. And I just was checking out the other links that showed up like on the first page. And maybe this is all just a nothing burger, but I think this is just a fun little journey. Is this at all interesting to you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So the next link I found was this uh, FAS.org. Um, I clicked on it because it, it's just an article of like Stargate controlled remote viewing. But this website looks like it was made in the 90s. In the 90s. Like it is so bare bones and everything. But it, even, it says here updated December 29th, 2005. Okay. Maybe for 2005, that was good, but... Maintained by... uh, Created by John Pike and maintained by Stephen Aftergood. It's a fake name. Stephen Aftergood? I've never heard of a last name Aftergood. Oh, it's a mail to? No, I don't want to email him. No, I clicked on his name to see if it was a... No, no, no. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, I hope it doesn't show porn. Uh, no, don't save that draft. Why is it creating so many drafts? I don't know. There's three drafts. Three, the Holy Trinity. It's Satan. They're watching it's you. It's the extraterrestrials. 
Um, <laughs> okay, so there's this website, fasfas.org. And it's very bare bones. And it, uh, I did not know what FAS was. But next to it, it says uh, Intelligence Resource Program. And then there's a little thing. Task, collect, process, use. Just this little diagram. That has the C in the middle of the... <laughs> yeah, the, the kerning on this is just awful. And then there's this this article here of like stargate controlled remote viewing stargate was one of the uh, was one of a number of quote-unquote remote viewing programs conducted under a variety of code names including sunstreak grill frame flame and center lane by the dia and inscom and scanit by cia so it was CIA working through these other agencies. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. These efforts were initiated to assess foreign programs in the field, contract uh, for a contract for basic research into the phenomenon, and to evaluate controlled remote viewing as an intelligence tool. The program consisted of two separate activities. An operational unit employed remote viewers to train and perform remote viewing intelligence gathering. The research was maintained separately from the operational unit. This effort was initiated in response to CIA concerns about reported investigations, uh, reported Soviet investigations of psychic phenomena. (laughs) Okay, so, 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 so. There's either uh, a group of drunk Mormons and sober Irishmen, as the joke goes, where, you know, they're saying, like, what if, what if we, I, I think I heard someone about this. I, I, I had a dream about this. And I, I, th- I think in my dream, I might have heard that, that, that someone said that they heard that they, 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 they saw someone who, who saw some documents, who, who knows somebody who said that the Soviets are using psychics. They know our nuclear codes with psychics. So we need to wage psychic warfare back at them. And we're Americans, so we can do it better. We're number one. <laughs> we need a psychic army. I think that was another, that was totally a joke in South Park. When the psychics were fighting back oh, against yeah. something else? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Cartman was in it. He's like, oh, I can hear from your mother, your dead mom. Um, okay. Uh, response to CIA concerns about reported Soviets' investigations of psychic phenomenon. Between 1969 and 1971, the U.S. US intelligence sources concluded that the Soviet Union was engaged in psychotronic research. By 1970, it was suggested that the Soviets were spending approximately 6 million rubles per year and over 300 million by 1974. The money and personnel devoted to Soviet psychotronics suggested that they had achieved breakthroughs, even though the matter was considered speculative and controversial and fringy. 
the initial research program, blah, 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 gondola wish. Either I, I think this was written first and then probably someone copy pasted this to Wikipedia, but then edited it uh, so that the writing was shitty. I don't know. We haven't talked about... Is he a Scientologist? Wait, point it out. I haven't read all this. Oh. Which, this <clears throat> one seems like it's about to get a little wild. Okay. Let me, let me take a drink here. Hmm. <sighs> While I'm uh, silent, give us some... Uh, what's what's your takeaway from all this stuff so far? What's What, what do you think? That even though... We supposedly have access to the information that it's still really convoluted and, like, not clear. What information? <clears throat> the information about Stargate. Oh, like the FOIA stuff? Yeah. Well, still, even with FOIA, there's a lot of redacted information that they say they redact it to protect sensitive information about individuals or places. Yeah. But then who's to say what's sensitive yeah okay so yada 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 the initial research program called scan it scan by coordinate was funded by cia beginning in 1970 remote viewing research began in 1972 at the stanford research institute at menlo park california this work was conducted by russell targ and harold Putoff. Once the uh, once with the NSA and at the same and at the time a Scientologist. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'm like. Uh, this work was conducted by Russell Targ and Harold Putoff. Once with the once with the NSA and at the same time a Scientologist. Is that saying that one of these dudes is a Scientologist? I guess. I would not be surprised if Scientology was, like, in with the Intelligence Committee. Maybe. I mean, there's, like, that's a whole fucking can of worms, Scientology. Yeah, you don't want to open that one. The effort initially focused on a few, quote, gifted individuals, such as New York artist Ingo Swan. Ongo Gablogian! <laughs> And OT level, wait, 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 such as New York artist Ingo Swan and OT level seven Scientologist. Many of the SRI quote unquote empaths were from the Church of Scientology. Interesting. Individuals who appeared to show potential were trained and taught to use talents for psychic warfare. The minimum accuracy needed by the clients was said to be 65%, and proponents claimed that in later stages of the training effort, this accuracy level was, quote, often consistently exceeded, end quote. And my question is, where does Tom Cruise fit in all this? He has to be in on, on this fucking timeline somewhere. Later, you know... He's got to be in on something. You know what I'm saying? We don't know what he, level he, sure, he is. He sure put... Uh, uh, we don't know what level he is, but uh, he sure puts out some propaganda movies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
uh, some very imperialistic themes in the movies. Oh, and now our downstairs neighbor is listening to something literally at full blast volume. Someone wants attention. Uh, I really hope I wonder this if we'll mic is not picking chance. it up. Huh? I wonder if we'll get the, t- the Celtic chants today. Remember last week? You're mumbling. Remember last week with the Celtic chanting songs? Oh, Celtic chants. I thought you were saying Celtic chants. No. I was like, what? What's the Celtic chants? <laughs> there was Celtic chanting? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember that. I probably blocked it out. Anyway, so I found this website. It was uh, a little weird. What is what is all this? 19 CA, whatever. So I found this and I was like, what the fuck is FAS? And so... Um, how do I fucking close this tab? Okay, good. Uh, I was like, what the fuck is FAS? So I searched it and I found FAS.org. And it, it still looks like shit. So if the last page we were looking at about Stargate looked like it was from the 90s, this page looks like it's from 2002. Tops. Tops. And uh, it's like uh, very weird. Like the first thing you see is just like strategic security and just this like shittily made image that looks like something you'd see at a cheap fucking um, corporate meeting slide with different types of rockets and warheads. All right. And this still doesn't really answer my question. Like what the fuck is FAS? Uh, and so I found this, I, uh, consulted wiki again, Federation of American Scientists is FAS. It's an American nonprofit global policy think tank with the stated intent of using science and scientific analysis to attempt to make the world more secure. FAS was founded in 1945 by scientists who worked on the Manhattan Project to develop the first atomic bombs. The Federation of American Scientists also aims to reduce the amount of nuclear weapons that are in use and prevent nuclear and radiological terrorism. They hope to present high standards for nuclear energy's safety and security illuminate government secrecy practices, as well as track and eliminate global illicit trade of conventional nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons. With 100 sponsors, the Federation of American Scientists claims that it promotes a safer and more secure world by developing and advancing solutions to important science and technology security policy problems by educating the public and policy makers and promoting transparency through research and analysis to maximize impact on policy. FAS projects are organized in three main programs, nuclear security, government secrecy, and biosecurity. Uh, 
FAS played a role in the control of atomic energy and weapons, as well as better international monitoring of atomic activities. Thoughts, please. Uh, I don't know how peace can be made when you're creating a bunch of bombs, but sure. And we're the only ones to have used nukes on anyone else also. Yeah. And we're the ones saying, like, we got to reduce the number of nukes everyone else has. How do we make peace? It's like holding a fucking gun to a, a poor unarmed person's head or holding a fucking tank to someone's head and saying, like, how do I stop you from threatening me? Yeah. <laughs> Seems very counterintuitive. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what is this project on government secrecy? The project on government secrecy works to promote public access to government information and to illuminate the apparatus of government secrecy, including national security classification and declassification policies. The project also publish previ publishes previously undisclosed or hard-to-find government documents of public policy interest, as well as resources on intelligence policy, declassified documents, as well as congressional research service reports are published on the Secrecy News blog. So, I think that is... So, they're trying to, I guess, make more transparency. But the thing is, it's confusing, and uh, I may be totally fucking wrong about all of this stuff. Um, but it w it's not unheard for a group of people to create a foundation that has a mission statement... That says one thing, and then for the people who collectively make that foundation do something or perhaps the exact opposite of what their mission statement says. Yeah. You know? We're here to liberate you by burning your village, for example. Yeah. Like, like Vietnam. Uh, so I found that. And then this FAS.org, I was just kind of very confused by it. Um, and I'm scrolling down, and I see down here near the bottom, experts. And you can view all of the people, but uh, here on the homepage, on the front page, are three experts. And I'm going to list them in order from left to right, because in English, we read from left to right. Number one. Number one is Joshua Shoup, staff. Joshua Shoup is the deputy director for the Day One Project. And then there's a read more. Number two, Adam Mount, staff. Adam Mount is a senior fellow and director for uh, of the Defense Posture Project. And then there's a read more. Number three, and the final face on here, Michael Fisher, staff. Dr. Michael A. Fisher is a senior fellow at FAS. Now, these first two guys, you described them a certain way when I first showed them to you. The third guy is the odd man out between these three headshots of these guys. 
The third guy, I say, looks like you're like a legit nerd. And he's working at this FAS, you know, uh, Federation of American Scientists. He looks like a science nerd. These other two guys, to me, don't look like science nerds. They look like FBI. They look like Alphabet Agency Yale boys. Yeah, they look very well educated. Uh, this guy looks very, very look self-confident. Very confident, clean-cut, white males in their 30s or 40s. Um uh, yeah, clean cut, very like kind of just conservative clothing. He's got a military haircut, number one. So. Number one does, yeah. You know, just like button up, starched shirts with a nice clean sweater or sharp blazer on top. And then number three, just he looks like a fucking nerd. And his face I trust more than these other two guys because they just look like Ivy League from Ivy League to fucking three-letter agency type yeah. dudes because that's a thing in these agencies right yeah like the whole yale boy gang thing yeah they look like that and maybe they're actually good people but uh for entertainment purposes if nothing else uh they look like that like a three-letter agency so let's hit read more on joshua shoop day one project uh, Deputy Director Joshua Shoup is the Deputy Director for the Day One Project. Dr. Shoup has worked with various public sector and international organizations, developing innovation strategies, conducting mixed methods programs and impact evaluations, and researching and developing innovation policy. He holds a MS and PhD in international development from Tulane Law School. So he went to law school and he does these things that are kind of uh, Isn't Tulane vague. New Orleans? Yeah, Tulane is New Orleans and those things are pretty vague international organizations developing innovation strategic this is a uh, corporate speak mm -hmm. this is intentionally vague corporate speak which uh politicians with the which government uses because it is compiled of business people it has from day one made for and by capitalist fat yeah. cats um, and then over time, it's just become very corporate HR kind of speak. It's by corporations for corporations. Okay. Now, I was wondering, what the fuck is this day one project? So I looked it up. Oh, Jesus. This is a long episode. Yeah. Day one project. We are dedicated to democratizing the policymaking process by working with new and expert voices across the science and technology community, helping them develop actionable policies that can improve the lives of Americans and readying them for day one of the next presidential term. Now, when I first found this website, I'm looking at it and I'm like, this looks like one of the fucking, like, dozens of other, like, uh, Democrat fucking emails that I'm getting asking for donations. Like, I that I never subscribed to these letters, and I'm getting all these fucking emails, 
and I'm hitting on subscribe and then a whole list of new ones and they all have different names and they all come out of nowhere. And uh, this looks like another one of these things. Basically, it looks like another way to bring in and process and launder money through electeering, election Allegedly. campaigning. Allegedly. Fucking just getting money through campaigns, which is what they fucking do. Not just Democrats, all of them. Uh, like Callie Leffler. What the fuck is she? You know she's just bankrolling all that fucking campaign money. Yeah. That's why they do it. Half uh, these people don't fucking care. They don't even want to be elected. It's just a bankroll. Um, so I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, uh, this, the current moment reading this, uh, about page, the current moment offers an important opportunity for the science and technology community to inform agenda setting by developing new proposals on key issues that can be useful to policymakers on the first day of the new presidential term and beyond. Throughout our day one or through our day one accelerator, we engage the broader science, technology, and innovation community to ready promising policy ideas for implementation. Recruit the next generation of science leadership. The value of deep scientific expertise on government uh, in government can be dramatic. But many in federal positions where technical experts can have the greatest impact are often overlooked and not recruited against. Day One Project is developing a list of key existing and proposed leadership roles across the federal government where scientific expertise is most critical and finding unique perspectives and scientific expertise capable of fulfilling these vital leadership roles okay so is this a good thing or a bad thing i just really hate corporate speak actionable ideas i mean i don't know it's very vague it sounds like they're hiring people like it's some sort of hiring process they're they're not they're not promoting they're not hiring they're trying to get hired Okay. So they're trying to get their people in to uh, federal policy making positions, but they're not in it. So they're developing these scientific ideas, but for who? Right. who whose science? Is this DuPont's science? Is this Procter & Gamble's science? Or is this environmental sustainability science? Yeah, uh, is this anti um, f- uh, anti petrol and uh, petroleum science? Like, wh- what is this? This very uh, policy proposals. What the fuck is this? Uh, education and workforce. All right, I'm very concerned about energy and environment, climate, yada. Eliminate billion-dollar disasters. Equitable science-based disaster policy policy for resilient future. So there's that. Man, uh, creating an advanced manufacturing collaborative for PPE and other medical. So it basically looks like science people coming up with science stuff to put more science people in the government to get more science I'm interested to see what else. 
Um, the really trippy part of all this stuff, since I'm most definitely not a Q person, uh, I was just pretty stoned when I first found this stuff, so it seemed like a lot bigger. <laughs> As I stated at the beginning, this might be a big nothing. National Water Technology Pipeline. Uh, improve water quality and ensure. So this seems okay. National Energy Storage Initiative. Interesting. Okay. So maybe he just needs to look like that. But it was the second guy, Adam Mount. So this guy, he works is a senior fellow director for the Defense Posture Project. And I was like, what is that? And this is part of FAS.org slash Defense Posture Project. Quoting here. Rapid advancements in military technology are challenging existing concepts of deterrence. The Defense Posture Project tracks disruptions to strategic stability in order to provide a, both a reliable source of public information as well as innovative concepts for maintaining deterrence over the coming years. Through assessments of military force structure and posture, structured wargaming analysis, and ongoing education of policy and public audiences, the DPP lays a groundwork for a U.S. defense posture that is capable and credible, sufficiently restrained to maintain strategic stability and fiscally sustainable. The DPP team closely follows changes to nuclear strategy and force structure in the major nuclear weapons states and is a leading source of analysis and commentary on defense and diplomatic events in North Korea. FAS experts have written widely on the need to develop a sustainable strategy to manage a nuclear-armed North Korea and have provided detailed analysis on its advancing missile capabilities. The project is directed by Adam Mount, Ph.D., who is studying the role of advancing conventional forces in contributing to or degrading deterrence between nuclear-armed states. He is working to develop new operational concepts for effective conventional deterrence. Conventional. Uh, operational concepts for... So not alt... I'm not seeing the word alternative here. It's just conventional, right? Mm-hmm. So how can we do better what we're already doing if that's not working? Um, uh, conventional deterrence, enhancing U.S. credibility, and limiting escalation risk. Research associate Mercedes examines conventional force developments in Northeast Asia, especially Chinese military practices. All right, so let's hear your thoughts on that spiel. I find that whole thing to be a little bit scarier. A little disturbing? How? Give me some details. What's disturbing about it? I mean, this one's more about military. So for me, I'm like just a little bit more reluctant when it comes to that sort of thing, because this is actually about hurting other people, and I don't like that. Excuse me. Yeah, this is actually about... Um, having nukes 
and saying, how can we keep other people from having nukes without just getting rid of nukes altogether? We've or got causing a bigger issue, which would lead to a war. Right. So the other thing on its face, the day one project and all that stuff on its own, it's very vague, which I at first I used to be confused, but. Like, I'm old enough now and I've had enough experience dealing with, uh, you know, companies and corporations and stuff like that and, and their their language. Um, and this also goes into academic language. And I'm most certainly not an anti-academic. I go to fucking college. There's a lot of people that say, you don't need to go to college. Go to college uh, and definitely keep fighting having to fucking pay but uh education is a big fucking thing and you should get an education i think whether it's college or a trade school whether it's college or a trade school educate yourself get education um so that other thing the day one thing on its face they're talking about you know science uh, strategies and actionable policies all this like very Pete Buttigieg kind of language, you know, a lot of noise that says nothing or AKA corporate HR jargon. Yeah. Okay. On its face, it's like kind of whatever, but clearly I, 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 I would, if I am to make a deduction here, I would say it has also something to do or is in some way affiliated or related or has some involvement with, say, the Defense Posture Project. Science, nukes, all this other shit. I mean, technically, that is part of science. Well, yeah, of course, yes. Defense science. So it does make sense that it'd be under this umbrella I just wonder what it all actually is being used on, like for. Right. And the other thing says they're about creating transparency. And you can say you're for one thing and then do something completely opposite, as we see with policymakers. That's mm -hmm. politicians throughout history. Lie, lie, lie. Make a promise. And don't follow through on it, right? Mm hmm. Um, hopefully, has this thing been recording this whole time? I think so. Yeah, good. Uh, so, I guess that was my trip. That, that was the whole trip. I, I went in to just find this weird psychedelic thing about using psychics for the military, and then ended up in this weird present active thing of creating actionable policies to reduce deterrence and all this stuff and then war games you know about the the war gaming programs i think you've talked about them these things have been going on for decades now i mean there was a movie uh with fucking what's his bucket from uh fuck i can't think of his name it was called war games um oh 
what's the movie it's it's they're in chicago it's like the cool dude they're in high school and he like takes a day off and he and his friends go run around chicago bueller ferris bueller ferris bueller's tale yes that actor he was still young in this 80s movie called war games matthew broderick matt matt broderick yeah matthew broderick uh so the military's been doing these war games to just sort of like play out if we got into a um a war uh, or a conflict of some type with another country, what could potentially be the causes of that and how would it play out? It's to assess risk. To assess risk. And one of the things they've assessed is like going to war with Iran and how the U.S. would get utterly fucking smashed in every which way. And uh, they like did the they ran the game so many different times in so many different ways and lost so bad every single time the u.s lost that they just kind of like rage quit the game and they're like we can never we can't go to war with the rand because we'd lose well yeah um and then there was another one they were doing with you might have heard about it because it was pretty big maybe last year or the year before the z-bellion the Gen Z Rebellion, oh, yeah. the war game where Generation Z basically gets fed up, uh, forms a bunch, you know, uh, creates a people's power, you know, That'd socialist. Cool. Huh? That'd be pretty cool. And rise up. And I think the Zs win in that one, too, actually. <laughs> Those could be used for another episode. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I got in this episode. Got anything else to say? I do not. Got anything to plug? No. That butt. Excuse you. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II, and please understand that this is a uh, comedy entertainment show, and anything said on here, uh, you know... uh, What's what's the what's the phrase or word I'm looking for? These views may not reflect my real beliefs or the beliefs of anyone involved, and anything said on here may have just been said for entertainment use. Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe. I love you, and I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.